hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. This week's episode features Nadia. Nadia and I have a great conversation about art and creativity and your passions. So I'm really excited to share this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it and I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, to my listeners, of course, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome, and the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is coming all the way from New York. It is Nadia. Nadia, would you like to give your elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, et cetera? Sure. Yeah. Like you said, my name is Nadia. Um, I'm several things. I'm a professional graphic designer as like my day job. Um, now for about 15 years. I'm a visual artist. Um, I'm also a community organizer. And um, as of the summer, I'm a podcaster, a fellow anger podcaster. Awesome. Yeah. And you and I kind of found each other through um, just like the different mediums. There's really not a whole lot of mediums for podcasters, but there is one that we that we both use, which is Headliner app, which um, makes it very easy to share snippets of podcasts after we record them and release them. Um, uh, and if you tag in the headliner app, then it like kind of opens up the community. So that's kind of how you found me. And then I followed you and I listened to your podcast. So yeah, I'm really excited to have you on here because I think you and I kind of explore similar, uh, topics of conversation, of course, which is that of creativity and following your true career path and your North star and that kind of thing. Yes, totally. Yeah, I did find you via the headliner app hashtag because uh, I was confused about how to use the app. And um, you were like extremely nice about uh, giving me a tip and stuff. So I really thank you for for just being a nice person and uh, and responding. Yeah, I think I've always been like that in my career or just in general. I mean, like one, I don't get paid to podcast. Like, let's be, mm-hmm. let's be clear. I make maybe a, maybe a penny every episode. Um, mm-hmm. But, but it's, it's like, there's no use in sitting on that wealth of knowledge, like by yourself. And I, I like, things are confusing. Like I had to teach myself how to use that app and it was very confusing at first. And now it's so much easier because I didn't realize if you use it on your phone, it's way more intuitive than using it on your desktop. And I, if I'd known that, I would have just used it on my phone from day one because it just, it really streams like, streamlines it. But I digress. Um, yeah, no, it's no problem. I, I feel like I've always been like that where I'm like, I have the knowledge, like I'll, I'll share it because it's better to share it than to keep it. Yeah, totally. And I mean, like, it just seems like you're so busy and stuff that um, everyone's busy, but like, you know, you, your podcast is like, has a very, um, you know, good rhythm to it and stuff that just, you know, take the time to respond to like basically me, a random person is like really, really nice. So yeah. And, um, and about like headliner, I feel like it is, it's like a little bit funky of a program, like Mm -hmm. there's bugs definitely. So, you know, I've had like some challenges with it myself, but um, I figured it out mostly by now. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like, I look back, I kind of cringe on like my original ones that I did and now I have it down to a format and I'm like, damn, if I'd only like known how to do that, like at first and not just like shot out into the ether, like whatever I thought like people needed, um, and then like taking the time, but you know, whatever it's, it's all, it's all good. No one really cares. (laughs) So in terms of like imposter syndrome, so, so the cool thing about uh, talking to you, especially with your, um, artistic background and your creative background is that originally when I was looking for a podcast about this very topic that my podcast is about, which is of course, kind of that feeling of like not being able to accept one's accomplishments and feeling like a failure and an imposter and, and those kind of things, um, as it ropes into anxiety and careers. Um, I didn't find that podcast, but what I did find was a podcast under the same name called imposter syndrome. And it was about just artists and only artists, um, feeling oh, like imposters with their creativity. And I thought that was really cool, but I, I almost thought it was a little too niche because I, I know that imposter syndrome doesn't just live in creates creative people and it doesn't just live in women 
for, you know, men, it, it's kind of a human emotion to feel um, very, uh, you know, cognizant of your accomplishments and, and nervous that someone's going to like, you know, kind of disagree or take that away from you. So, um, so yeah, so I kind of was excited to have this conversation because I, I do love talking to creative people about kind of what it means to them. Yeah, um, that is, an, I haven't seen that podcast, but it's like also a good idea. And I feel like especially with creativity, like all these creative pursuits and fields is like, there's a lot in the culture that um, tells people that they shouldn't do it unless they're like experts, you know, mm -hmm. or like, unless they're like, you know, quote unquote, super good at something, you know. So I can see that it would be like a major issue with, um, you know, people pursuing arts. Yeah. Yeah. I only, I only lasted one semester. I really wanted to be a graphic designer. That's really what I wanted to do. And, um, mm -hmm. I, I made it through my first like one-on-one classes and I was like, no, <laughs> this is too hard. <laughs> I had like this professor and his name was Seeger Hartgers and he was just the, so hard on me. Like everyone else, I felt like he was so much easier on than me. And then I, I tried so hard in art 101 and I, and I got like a B minus or something. And I, and I, and I remember like, I would stay up crying over these projects because I couldn't just like, I wasn't creative enough. And I'd look around the room and other people were better than me at stuff, which is of course imposter syndrome in and of itself. But I just, I kind of have always like gone through life feeling that way. And, and, um, and while I'm not like artistically as creative as I'd like to be my brain works creatively like I like I enjoy writing and I enjoy podcasting and I enjoy like doing things that are are more creative and less kind of analytical but even even, even so I like wonder if I'd stuck it out like if I would have burnt out or if I would have made it or if I would have been successful I have no idea but I applaud that because I know it's it's tough as a graphic designer because a lot of the times you're um, executing someone's vision and not your own yeah, I mean, um, the, the truth about graphic design is that's kind of like what it is, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's like, I think that sometimes people can be a little bit um, confused. I think like, especially like students, that they assume that graphic design is like another like art form in a sense, but um, what it is, like what I've like discovered that it truly is after all this time is it is like a kind of a collaborative like um artistic service you know is like how I think of it and it's like you you are like um you're like in a service role you know like you're collaborating with someone you're um you're helping them out with something and I don't feel that there's any like there's anything wrong with that you know what I mean but I think that for some other people they might be like oh well you know they kind of think of themselves as like artists that do graphic mm -hmm. design and there could be some kind of tension between that kind of depends on your point of view about the whole thing you know what I mean but for me like I've always loved design because it's useful mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean and being kind of a practical type person as well like I just love that it's it's like it's not just pretty art it's like for a purpose and it helps mm -hmm. people to like understand information and to um to get things done or something. I don't know. Like, I like that it's like a lot of different things at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally get your concept and like where you're coming from on that. And I see it very similarly to you because it does absolutely serve a purpose. And like, you can kind of like look at good design versus bad design and, and how it kind of like, how some things are like oversimplified and some things are too complex. And I don't know, I, I, I find that kind of stuff fascinating because I'm, I'm a huge mid-mod century like furniture fan of the simplicity and that kind of look and feel. And, and, and in terms of design and stuff, I was always more on the like the simple end. Um, and not everyone agreed with me there, but yeah, I, I like that. So in terms of imposter syndrome, uh, imposter syndrome and success and feeling like we have it all figured out, those all tend to kind of dovetail with one another. Um, so I'm gonna start with the first question, which is, do you feel like you have it all figured out? <laughs> um, far from it, I would say not at all. But, um, but on the other hand, I feel like I've made a lot of progress from where I was like even a couple of years ago. 
where I like had even less figured out you know what I mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then like me from like 10 years ago I mean it's like you know I'm like in you know in like another stratosphere or something so (laughs) I feel kind of like I've had like I feel like I'm like a late bloomer like I'm like the definition of a late bloomer or something and you know I had like different challenges in my childhood and stuff and I just like I wasn't a very happy child I'll say Mm -hmm. and like young person and you know um so there's just been a lot that I've had to kind of overcome and like figure out myself and you know with the help of uh, some advisors etc people but um yeah I mean um yeah your question was have I got it figured it out um no but I feel like I'm like more more on my way than I have been in the past definitely yeah absolutely I think there's um I think that like our like adolescent like we're just kind of we are preconditioned to be um I hate to say it but kind of assholes like where we um feel like we know everything because it's so much easier to basically be arrogant and blissfully arrogant and blissfully blissfully ignorant as we're younger because we feel like oh like we you know got the education we had or whatever we might have done and so now so now I get to get all the things that that come with that um and I look back at my 20s and I'm just like ooh, good lord like I am embarrassed like I am so sorry for anyone who knew me back then I apologize you know (laughs) you know and but but I kind of similar to you I've had to overcome a lot of things I'll go through a lot of things on my own um I wasn't necessarily a very happy child. I wasn't, I wasn't a happy teenager and I certainly wasn't a happy adult in my twenties until way, way late in my twenties, like 27 is when I kind of was like, enough's enough. Like I have to like stop crying about it and I got to do something about it. Um, so I wouldn't say maybe I, I don't, wouldn't say I'm necessarily like a late bloomer, but I would say maturity for me took a really long time to kind of grasp, um, as much as I would think that I was mature. <laughs> I look back and I go, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's okay to like not have it all figured out. I don't think anyone really has it all figured out. Um, and I think also in kind of being people, people in a young professional workforce, it's confusing because it used to be that, you know, our parents would get out of school or the trade or whatever they did fall into a job and stay at that job for 30 years and then retire. And <laughs> And that's just not how like life works anymore. Um, and so I think that's, that was a hard adjustment for me because my, my dad is an engineer and he's always kept jobs for very long, 10 years of time. And then I'm myself, a millennial, like working in advertising and marketing and agencies had just the hardest time. And I was like, this can't be right. Yeah, it's, it's really a different world than, you know, when our parents were young. And I just feel that it's, um, yeah, it's almost like society has kind of like, you know, left us to the wolves or something. And then they're like, why don't you have this yet? Why don't you, whatever, like have a house yet, blah, blah, blah. But like, nobody's kind of understands the new conditions of it all. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if you felt like this, but like, and I felt like in my twenties, it was harder to have friendships because everyone was keeping up with the Joneses, like racing to the altar, like have to have kids first, like this, that, and the other. And I thought it was so weird. Cause that wasn't what I, what, what I saw for myself. It wasn't really, I, I mean, I obviously wanted to find the right person for me. And I obviously wanted to have those things for myself, maybe one day down the road, but I didn't understand why relationships with you know, people were more important than friendships. Cause I thought I, I was always told you're going to have like great friends in your twenties. Like, where are they? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which kind of leads me into the, into this question of, of imposter syndrome. Cause I, I, I make it very well known in my podcast that I'm an, I, I was a huge nerd. I've never fit in. I've always felt other than. So do you feel like you fit in and suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Uh, yeah, like, I, like you, have never felt like I fit in, like, anywhere, (laughs) and I mean, the truth is, is that I was, like, different in some significant ways, you know, like, my parents are immigrants from South America, um, so I think just having, like, foreign parents and, like, you know, my first language is Spanish, 
like I remember not being able to speak English you know I was really small when we moved here but I remember like just like so I feel kind of like I have that that sort of feeling imprinted onto me at a young age of just being like no one can understand you <laughs> like you know like it's almost kind of like a weird visceral thing that's a part of me um and I think that kind of like doing the podcast and like kind of putting myself out there more in the world is sort of like a kind of therapy for that you know yeah like that you know I think for a really long time like I was super super quiet like super like you know like the person who's like people are like why doesn't she talk (laughs) you know and like and I think that it just really took years of like trying and like on purpose like doing the opposite of what I was usually doing to like kind of get me out of my shell and stuff like that and and you know I get nervous now even like doing the podcast doing this podcast like anytime it's just kind of like I always have some sort of belief like that no one is that interested in what I have to say you know yeah um and it's and it's tough yeah um Well, I would say like for, for you, like the, 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 you know, being a child of immigrants, like growing up with your first language, not being English first. Um, I mean, that is a very common story. I have a couple of, I have a really good friend actually that, that this is his exact story, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and he, he, he talks the same way. And I, I know a lot of children of immigrants, like that is how they feel. And, and, and then of course the school system doesn't do a great job. They isolate you. And so then you just feel like you're always on the outside looking in, which is, which is so hard and and so for a lot of like I remember my friends that their parents um were were would immigrate here and like I had friends that like you know maybe their first language was Russian or maybe their first language was um Chinese or whatever and they were so quiet because they were scared they're gonna say the wrong thing or um nervous that they were gonna like embarrass themselves in some way shape or form um and so I remember that and then also for me it's like I on the flip side, being an extroverted person, I don't know if I'm extroverted because I, because of it, it's a defense mechanism or if I'm extroverted because I wasn't seen as a child. Like I, like my feelings weren't valid and who I was wasn't valid. And so, um, and so I just would kind of express myself in like a blah way to kind of be seen. Um, if that makes sense. And so then of course that would polarize me from other kids. Cause I was that weird non-medicated ADHD kid. So, um, so I, I kind of, I, I kind of always felt like I, and I don't know if you ever felt this way, but I always kind of felt like I was set up for failure to make friends. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. And I can totally relate to your story as well. I think that I also kind of had that, but since I kind of have a, a different type of personality, I think that like, like, I also wasn't really validated or, you know, mm-hmm. my struggles weren't really seen as a as a child. And, you know, like, I think my parents just being from a different culture, they mm-hmm. just didn't understand the schools and they didn't kind of like get that involved or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it, whatever, who knows, you know, yeah. whatever. They did their best, I guess. But like, um, but, you know, just having a different temperament, I guess that like my reaction to that was to kind of become more withdrawn mm-hmm. versus like maybe you're just kind of more extroverted naturally. So your response is to kind of like, you know, maybe like um, just like put yourself out there anyway, you know? Yeah. So I think that that's kind of, um, yeah, both are, yeah. are totally valid. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, I, and, and now like for me, it's like, it's like I for like, I guess I'm like introverted extrovert because I, I there's days where I'm like I cannot like I the thought of talking to anyone I'm like no way um and that's when I've reached my threshold but like I guess like this podcast is a good example so like just like you were like nervous to put yours out into the world and be like is anyone gonna want to like listen to what I have to say I mean those are very valid concerns um and I gosh I was so nervous to press launch because I was like ooh, like I don't what if they, uh oh, like, and then I was, and then I was like, well, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Like what? Like I do like three episodes and no one listens and I get zero feedback and then whatever, like we can just pretend it never happened. Like I can just erase <laughs> it off the planet. No one will know. Um, but people started to respond to it and they, and they enjoyed it. Um, and I found that very surprising because I was like, huh, okay. 
And I started to take people's constructive criticism and feedback and started to work and shape my podcast a little more and a little more. But I also had a radio background so that like in college I did radio DJ. So, so I kind of was used to talking into a void, I guess. But I also, (laughs) on the flip side, as much as I'm comfortable with this, I'm not comfortable with public speaking. (laughs) <laughs> oh interesting I know people like that too like I know my friend is like um she does like theater acting but like she gets nervous to do like a presentation yeah no same like, like yeah. yeah I'm like I have no problem like making a fool of myself I have no problem with that and people are always like you project confidence and I'm like it's a lot of trauma like this is me just like putting like a <laughs> like a flesh blanket over trauma and then just like trying to just like be okay. Like that's normally how I go through life. But I mean, we're all doing our best, right? It's the pandemic. Yeah, that makes sense though, you know, to like, to your uh, theme of imposter syndrome too, of like, you know, that feeling of that you are kind of like acting in the world Mm -hmm. and stuff like that is like very like imposter-like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you um, ever feel, and cause uh, like, especially creatively, do you ever feel imposter syndrome? Like when you're putting out like maybe a piece of writing or um, maybe a piece of artwork that you've created? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's been a whole journey to kind of put my personal artwork like on my Instagram, which I do um, basically my Instagram account, like my personal one is, is just like an art account now. Um, whereas before it was kind of more normal, like, you know, just like pictures of my cat and stuff like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but like now it's just different. And I think it, it was just kind of like a years long journey of like daring to put my, my drawings and stuff on there because I just kind of felt like I wasn't like really like a legit artist, like the way that, um, I think like my peers kind of had an influence on that. Cause I'm like, just acquainted with like a lot of like professional illustrators and like Mm -hmm. professional um animators here in New York so it's almost like when you look at their art it's just like at such a different kind of level that it's almost kind of like in the context of that whatever I do just seems like uh, kind of ridiculous or something (laughs) or that's how I felt you know at the time that's not true but so it's been just kind of like a years-long journey of just like doing it a little bit more and more to where now I just feel more comfortable like putting like way more comfortable putting stuff on there and just actually even calling myself an artist because it's like I didn't really dare to do that before like I was just like yeah I draw sometimes you know and even just kind of like taking on that moniker of artist was like a little bit out of my reach or something I just like didn't think I deserved it so like you know that is so um, interesting yeah 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 no that that that's really interesting and that makes like a ton of sense and I've heard this kind of feeling before and it's typically in these creative um junctures um where I've, I've talked to writers that say like oh well um I got a book deal but I'm not a writer or I got a I got a, I got a recipe <laughs> book but I'm not a chef like those kinds of things where it's like almost like ooh, the word artist has like such a grandiose like you have to like win an award to like do it um but at the same time, I mean, people that like run Etsy stores where they rip off things, they call themselves artists. <laughs> so it's like, where do we draw the line? Um, but I, you know, I, I'm not tooting your own horn. I do think you are an artist. I do see you as an artist. Um, I do see you as a creative person. And so I think that's really cool. I think, I'm, I mean, you should be pretty proud of yourself to put that stuff out there because one, it probably, you know, elicits joy for you in a lot of ways. Two, it expresses emotion. And three, it like kind of shows people what you're all about. Yeah, yeah, that's another hurdle that I think I had to overcome is just kind of like some kind of shame, I guess, of just kind of like bearing my insides or something like that. Because <laughs> it's very like, it can be a little revealing, you know, when you like go to just show people, especially kind of people that you know, you know what I mean? Like your friends and like your peers and stuff like that you kind of like throw your hat in the ring or whatever to say like, well, this is me, like I'm creative too. It's just like, you kind of just have to, there's like a bit of bravado that like needs to kind of come with that, you know, Mm -hmm. or something that some sort of like shame to be overcome that's like, yeah, like whatever you have to share is, um, is 
like will be welcome you know yeah yeah it kind of needs to be like a it's almost like an artist an artist circle needs to be like a therapy circle where like there's no there's no bad creativity like it's all welcome and it's like with me and I'd be like here's two sticks that I tied together with string and they'd be like you tried like thanks I did (laughs) yeah and I, I I try to be I mean okay so until I got diagnosed with ADHD I didn't realize how much it impacted my creativity my desire to do things my willingness to be able to sit down and finish something and I realized that that might have been a lot of the reason why art was so hard for me because I would get frustrated and flustered when it didn't come as easy because I would get so distracted and um but now it's like I have all these ideas and I want to complete them and now I have too many ideas like I started crafting which I have never been a crafter in my life I started making like these hair bows that I give to people that their their dads are deployed and or their spouse or their mom is deployed and it brings them joy because they're you know young kids and um, that's something that I've been doing for the last six months. And I look at them and I think that they are the worst uh. of shit I've ever seen. Like you can see oh, all no. the glue on it. Like I've burnt my fingers mm-hmm. making it. And these kids are so joyous when they get them that like, I kind of forget that like, it doesn't really matter. They can't see that. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's okay. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Truly like no one it's like sometimes I'll put stuff on my Instagram that I'm like uh like I don't know like very shrug about and I just really don't care about it and people will respond like those might be like my most popular posts and stuff and you know it's it's just really it's really uh unpredictable like what how how people will take in your work and Mm I just feel like I, because of that, I just don't even worry about it anymore. Like, I think that that's kind of what I like try to do with my art. It really is just basically for me. Yep. I don't really take anybody's, you know, opinion. You know, it's not for anybody. Like, it's not like design. It's the opposite of design, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't like, because design is all about like, what is that person going to think? What about this person? You know, it's like you have to take in all of these people's point of view in order to like make something, but yeah I kind of just wanted to like get run away from that I think I think that's I think that's great I think it's like an outlet and I I love it I say I love it so um success success is such like a hot button thing I think everyone defines success differently like what success looks like to me will look different to you um and vice versa some people you know some people really do define success by like the 2.5 kids and the white picket fence and blah 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 blah. um but um I always like to ask this because I think it's interesting to hear how everyone defines success so yeah what does success look like to you and do you feel successful um success um I guess that like success for me would truly be to um to kind of like be self-employed to be honest like I feel like for me like if I'm talking about myself only um that is kind of like what would be like ideal is like if I could be self-employed somehow and not have to um yeah like worry about being someone's um you know underling (laughs) and whatever like I I would really really love that yeah and um and also just to have like a sense of um freedom and peace like you know yeah yeah I get that I think a lot of people um within our age bracket like that's kind of what they're yearning for is like it's almost like because of the tumultuous environment that kind of happened when we started our careers or started to look for careers um especially if 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 you went to college and, and got out and I felt wildly unprepared, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and, and like, I, I feel like it was almost like we were set up to fail in a lot of ways. And then you kind of just bumble your way along. And eventually like, there's a lot of resentment that goes along with that. Because I know for me, like the thought of getting back into an office right now, especially after losing my job in this pandemic, um, oh, it gives me so much anxiety because it reminds me of a lot of the horrible things that I was dealing with that, I mean, they're not horrible, horrible, but just a lot of the things that I was dealing with that, that, um, that I really don't understand why they're a thing. 
And then as I've been watching the workforce kind of change during the pandemic, I'm hopeful that eventually when I do go back into an office, a lot of the stuff that was, that I found very um, archaic, like we have to sit at our desk until 5 p.m. And, and you're not really working unless you're there until 5.30 and you have to leave after the boss leaves kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think that that makes them necessarily a more um, qualified nor efficient workforce. Um, so I'm hopeful that a lot of these changes and, you know, the positive things that have happened from people from working from home kind of continue and, and eventually there won't be a need to be self-employed. There's just going to be companies that just get it, you know, and like understand that like, that doesn't have to be stressful all the time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And to your point, like, I don't know if that's kind of what you were getting at, but like, I feel that like just that requirement to like be in an office like to dress a certain way to mm -hmm. like you know all these kind of like to me they're very like sort of cosmetic issues you know but um if not for all that like you know I really wouldn't even mind having a job you know yeah yeah <laughs> but because of all that and just all these like formalities and I don't know things I I just that really have never come naturally to me like, I know they don't, they aren't natural things, but I think some people just pick them up like right away. And for me, it's, I mean, it's taken years, years and years of like active trying to mm -hmm. like adapt myself to like office life and stuff. And it's been really, really hard to be honest. Um, you yeah. know, so anyway, um, yeah. But even with all that, I just really would like to be like, um, yeah, like just independent. Yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, like even at the like the nicest company ever or something. I, <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, it is like my desire. Yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting that you say it like took a while to adapt into an office life because I, I wonder if that's that's not um, uncommon because I, I or if I feel like um, I feel like it took me a really long time too. Like I didn't know how to dress for a job. What's business casual? What's business? what's, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, you know, that kind of stuff. And what's, e how do, how do you send an email? How do you do this? How do you, it, it takes a really long time to kind of figure that out. Um, and I remember my first internship I ever had, um, they asked me to use a fax machine and I didn't know how, mm -hmm. and I was really embarrassing. And like, that like gave me so much anxiety. I used to have nightmares about it. <laughs> oh, I was just like, this I, how I didn't know how to use it <laughs> now I'm an expert yeah. well it was it was an old machine even yeah. then it's yeah. like you know what the hell like what do they expect it's almost like parallel parking like on a driving test they're like and now you're parallel park and I'm like what <laughs> no <laughs> um but yeah um but yeah I I, I I feel you I feel you being independent I think that is that is something that I I yearn for a lot because I I did actually break out on my own um and try to work for myself, but I wasn't great at marketing for myself and I, and I wasn't great at standing up for myself and not working for free. And so I think mm. the future me, if there was something that I ended up doing independently, I think I'd be better at it, but I think I was a little too young to know what I was doing. Like yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that's the other thing about being like, you know, an entrepreneur or something is, um, yeah, you really have to have good boundaries and like really good, um, just like you got to be pretty solid, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I think that that's, that's kind of like what I'm also working towards is like, you know, through my um, self-improvement and just like even with the podcast too, is just kind of building my, um, my presence, you know, as yeah. like a person and, and like my like kind of like strong core mm -hmm. of myself so that I can kind of like go on eventually <laughs> to like just um just yeah be um have more control in my life yeah yeah no I love that I love that and I think like you're well on the way I mean we're all works in progress and we're all you know if we're not if we're not a work in progress then I feel like again I'd be wary because you know everyone's able to evolve and change and be who they want to be they just have to put their mind to it um so I think we've addressed imposter syndrome. Um, so we'll say sashay away to that topic and move on to just kind of something that I really, really, truly enjoy, which it, it always is able to help me 
um, understand the way my guests' brains work. So um, what is one or a few things that you are fanatical about and why? And uh, currently I'm, a, I'm obsessed with my dog. Uh, he is pretty, I mean, we're, I'm, we're not really in lockdown, but uh, I've been in isolation pretty much the 70 days my husband's been gone so far. Um, so I, it's nice to have him. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of my dog. <laughs> yeah, I can really tell from your Instagram and stuff. And like, um, I love the pictures you take of your dog, by the way. I think you're quite good at photography as well. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you are. So yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing I really love is the show Twin Peaks, like a show that was on TV in the 90s. Yep. And um, there was like a reboot, actually, like the third season that, that um, was on Showtime a couple of years ago. So it was like 20 years later, they made the third season or whatever. But um, yeah, I really love that show. I actually revisited it during the pandemic, during like March and April. I like rewatched the whole thing. And, um, and it brought me like a lot of comfort and joy. And um, it's both like extremely dark and also just kind of like sweet and homey mm -hmm. <laughs> and um it's just there's just like something so satisfyingly like on point about the show like everything just feels like it it is as it should be on there like the casting is perfect like just the writing is solid there's not a single episode that I like regret watching it's just it's beautiful it's, it's a work of art definitely. yeah yeah I, I love the show I, I I too have seen Twin Peaks um and I I guess like it's because I had a friend um maybe it was was it after college or maybe anyway I know that he was obsessed with it in high school. Um, and so I kind of like knew about it and then the new season was coming out. So I re I watched the whole first two and I remember being like, Oh, like, is this like a crime show? Like what, what is this? And like, not expect like in my, my friend's a weirder dude. And I, I, I should have known he's rather creative that it was going to end up being just like taking me on a wild roller coaster ride. Um, but I, I like how it just kind of, you know, it's, it gobsmacks you, like, all of a sudden there's, like, a spiritual aspect, there's a creepy aspect, there's, like, this, like, this community vibe aspect, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's a very, like, it's, it's, you're right, it's very well written, it's very well done, um, the cinematography on it's great, um, the character developments on it, on it's great, I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a show that, um, I don't think gets enough credit, um, because it was so cult-like, um, mm but I, I definitely did enjoy it. And I, I, I thought about watching it again, but I'm also alone. And then I don't like to watch things that scare me. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> yeah, I watch true crime. <laughs> yeah, some is really scary, genuinely. Like, yeah, like the scenes with Bob and stuff. Yes, like, Bob's so scary. Bob. Terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying, yeah, truly. I mean, but then again, I'm also the kind of person that like, if I'm, if I'm on the Haunted Mansion ride at Disneyland, I know that this, this animatronic will pop out every time and every time it makes me jump and scares me so like I'm I'll know it's coming and I'll still be like terrified of it regardless but I'm like a big baby but yet I like I'll watch true crime stuff like while I fall asleep as if with my windows open which is you know <laughs> who couldn't pop a screen um but but I, I I think it's funny that I'm like yeah true crime's fine but no 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 Twin Peaks no no, no creepy no horror movies just just uh just uh true crime <laughs> yeah well the thing about true crime is like they don't show you like the crime as yeah. it's happening so it's like a little true it's like a little bit yeah it's true after. so in terms of unpopular opinions I always say as long as your unpopular opinion is not you know hurting other people e.g racist or diminishing people um that it's that it's okay to have because we all have um, unpopular opinions. And I currently have an unpopular opinion. And the only reason why I have this unpopular opinion right now is because I feel like America is being a bunch of freaking babies. Um, I understand that Thanksgiving, which is not a great holiday in general, like let's just talk about like the historical aspects of it, okay. It's become a hallmark holiday though that we, that we celebrate with our friends and our family and we're thankful. Um, just because 
you know, you want to be around your family and your friends in a pandemic doesn't mean you should be because the traveling can really hurt someone. And the way I'm thinking about it right now, my unpopular opinion is it is so selfish to go out of your way to spend time with family when you could actually kill one of them. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's uh, probably like a less popular opinion based on just like the statistics of it all. Yeah. But, um, I agree, it's not worth it probably. And I was gonna go to Thanksgiving. I, I, I have friends that I can trust that they're for the most part very safe um, and one of them tested positive. And so my backup plan was to go have dinner with my quarantine pod. And so I'm like, okay, backup plan is actually what was gonna happen. And I had this feeling that that was gonna happen too. They went and got tested and he's positive. So anyway, um, oh <laughs> regardless, regardless, I, I don't go enough places or do enough things. Like if I can get it delivered, I do. Um, I try to limit my exposure as much as possible. I got the flu shot for when I volunteer cause I volunteer a couple of times a week on base. Um, and, and then even so then like I'm wearing a mask, I'm keeping my distance, I'm sanitizing my hands after every person. Um, so I, I don't know, I'm not saying like I'm any safer than anyone else or that I'm, I'm not going to get it. I mean, certainly I could be asymptomatic or certainly I could be a carrier that I don't know, but, um, given the opportunity to, I have, um, immunocompromised people in my family, given the opportunity to be able to spend that holiday with them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It's like, we all think we're being safe and maybe we yeah. are, but it's like, y- you don't. Like, yeah. it's, it's a virus. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. Gonna, we can, it's not going to escape you. Like, yeah, gonna, it's going to do what it wants to do. Yeah. And I don't mean to like rant, but I just, it was, it was actually earlier today because I actually had a, a different interview earlier and I got the text message, hey, so I'm positive for the Rona. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, no. And then it just reminded me of like all the people on Facebook that are like whining and crying because I want to see my family and it's not fair and boo hoo hoo. And it's like, I have a deployed spouse. Like I'd like to spend the holiday with them or like imagine all the people that lost a loved one, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's just, that's just me being like, please everyone just, just, it's one, it's one holiday. It's, it's one holiday season. <laughs> just one, just one. Go back to what you're doing in the future. Anyway, sorry, I digress. <laughs> What's yours? <laughs> oh, no, it's, that's that's uh, definitely, like, uh, you know, topical as uh, we ease into, like, Thanksgiving here. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm looking at, like, what I wrote here. I said, like, truly, I'm going to expand what I said. I said, I don't really like cupcakes. I don't really like cake, like, or cupcakes. <laughs> I don't like cake or cupcakes. I think mostly it's doesn't taste good. Like <laughs> most of the cake. I mean, like, I'm just gonna say in America, big asterisk, um, and not to be anti uh, anti-American or anything like that, but mostly American cake is trash, unfortunately. It sucks. <laughs> it's not good. Um, yeah. yeah, that's my opinion. I I agree because most people's frame of reference is the store-bought cake with the, you can taste the food coloring icing. Oh yeah, that stuff is nasty. <laughs> and I've, because I don't like store-bought cake, I don't have a sweet tooth. Like I, like to the point where like, if there was like, it was I was at an office and there was a cake that was going around and like a piece would come to my desk. I would just like be like, I don't want it. Like, I don't like, <laughs> ugh, like, I don't, which is nice because like, I never have the appetite. I'm never tempted by it, which makes me sound like holier than thou. But the truth is, is I literally cannot stand sweets, like American sweets. I feel like they're overprocessed. They're disgusting. And, and so for me, like I, I can hundred percent relate hundred percent agree. And I also don't really understand cupcakes because I just, I don't know. There's that cupcake craze a couple years ago or however long ago that was now. And it was like, let's put bacon on a cupcake. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I'm just never in the mood ever, never. Yeah. I just don't know. I really honestly don't know what's up with people's taste buds or something, but like truly it just is really bad. Like 
you know and but on the flip side if it's like Europe or something like even like here in New York like um Chinese or Korean bakeries have like mm-hmm. excellent cake delicious yeah. awesome Latin Americans have pretty good cake generally I mean, it's just like America. It's an America problem. I don't know what's up with America. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would say like my friend, my friend Shelby's a pastry chef and she made me a birthday cake because my husband and I, our birthdays are two days apart. So this year she made me, she made us a birthday cake, red velvet um, with cream cheese frosting, which is my husband's favorite and, or one of his favorites. He he has, he loves a lot of things. Um, And I felt like it tasted way better. And I don't know if it's like me being biased because I'm like, oh, she used to work at a Michelin star restaurant. Or if it's me being like, it's great because it was homemade and it was like made with love or like, I don't know, but it it was like the best cake I've ever had. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. You know, I'm sure it was delicious. Yeah. Yeah. So what is currently making you happy in the world? What's currently making me happy? I mean, always my cat. Like you love your dog. I love my kitty cat. But sadly, she's sick. So I'm like a little bit. I I still love her, but it's like a little bit like bittersweet right now because it's like we have to figure out what to do about she has like a gut issue and stuff so but I I love her dearly like I um she's my friend here like I'm kind of alone during the day like I have a partner but he goes to to his office during the day so it's just like me and her um together during the days and like I have um so much more time to play with her and pet her and stuff and it's been so fun Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm sending healing vibes because it's never fun when an animal is sick. I actually went through that, um, pretty early into the pandemic. My, my dog, um, like he was older and all of a sudden he just like took a nosedive and it was, it was like watching, it was like watching a slow moving train wreck. And, and and it's, and I, I feel like people don't really understand that. Like sometimes, you know, like an animal is going to tell you when they're not feeling well and, and, and it's, and it's the hardest thing. Cause you, you, you want to make it better, but sometimes you just can't. Um, but regardless, uh, I have confidence and faith. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you guys will figure out something that's going to work for the, for the tummy poor thing. Oh, I'm so sorry, but how sweet that you can like be at home and play with her and stuff. I feel like I'm making like the most codependent dog. Cause he's or cause <laughs> span, he's a cavalier. So they're already very, um, people pleasers and very much, um, obsessed with you and they and my dog imprinted on me because I picked him up from the from the from the breeder and and then my husband has been gone I would say probably more time than he's been here so them bonding was kind of like yeah but mom's right there and I like mom um so (laughs) so and then my husband was like you should get his brother because his brother his half brother was also um they're gonna rehome him and I said I can barely keep one alive plus myself like right now and you want me to get a second one I was like <laughs> I was like so you want two dogs that are obsessed with me and like could not care about you he was like, yeah, true. he's just really hoping for when the like true yeah. is his dog well, that's what I'm saying I'm like you have to wait until like you're here because like then you can get your dog and that dog will love you but then and then there's like a thing if you get two dogs and they're obsessed with each other and then they are not as loving and bonded anymore so there's a lot of stuff that my husband he just loves dogs and he doesn't really understand um as much as I love him to death um so so yeah but I feel like I'm making a very codependent animal because like yesterday I went to go get my mail and I have like a little white picket fence um and there's chicken wire so he can't like slip through the fence um and he can he can see me and he just started barking because like I walked away and I left him in the yard and I'm just like oh no like if this is what you're barking at (laughs) and it's like barely anything like I'm like we can't live in an apartment ever when we move to Hawaii there's no way so yeah so I, I like as much as I love spending time with him I'm like very concerned <laughs> I'm like I'm like I think I've I think I broke him like I'm pretty sure I broke him <laughs> I know I'm always uh concerned that I'm that I've ruined my cat as well and like she you know has like anxiety problems because of me or like different things <laughs> I'm always like it was the mothering that failed here I think it's going to be everyone. Everyone's, everyone's going to be like all of their, all of our pets are going to be like, just, they're going to need Xanax or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, for real. 
Well, we're coming to the close of this awesome conversation. I always like to give my guests the floor to promote whatever they would like. So do you have stuff that you would like to promote? Well, yes, I do. Um, like I've been mentioning, I have a podcast. Um, it's also an anchor. It's called Expression Quest Podcast. And if you are a creator of any kind, or if you are just interested in art of any kind, writing or uh, visual art, we have some comedians that have been guests on there. I want to have more like performers as well. Just kind of like, I want it to be like an arts, like in general mm -hmm. podcast. So um, every week I ask a question and I invite people to call into my voicemail line and, and I play those kind of responses. So for instance, a couple epi episodes ago, it was like, what, what does it mean to be an artist to you? And people had like all kinds of perspectives on that. And um, then of course, after that, um, there is an interview, you know, a kind of conversation kind of like this one with um, the creator. And so, yeah, um, follow me on Instagram at ExpressionQuest, or you can go to the anchor URL, anchor.fm slash ExpressionQuest. And um, also I'm starting a Patreon associated with the, uh, with the podcast so I hope to kind of grow that as a community have like an associated Facebook page and um, start to have some kind of zoom events so yeah check it out ah, I love that no that's so exciting I'm like I'm happy to watch your stuff grow I think it's great I think you're on to some beautiful beautiful things as always to my listeners all of the links for Nadia and getting in touch with her and her podcast those of course are always going to be in the description um, as well as tagged in on social media as always so Nadia thank you so much for finally being able to, I know I've been it's we've had crazy schedules finally being able to take the time to talk today and I hope that you have a lovely and safe holiday and that you have a great rest of your week yeah, it was, um, it was a great time. And thanks. Thanks again for um, having me on. Yeah, yeah. Have a great night. Have a good one. Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use PDKMO to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter pdkmo at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.